coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. Uh, and even though we have, we think we may have all of these things figured out and we may have a, a good job and, and some letters behind our names and, and something to go on and, and, and some sort of position in the church, we still do not have it figured out. But when I look at that text and I realize that, I realize that there is absolutely nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Uh, I'm reminded of Romans 8 and, 38, 8, 8, 38 and 39 where it says that I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it doesn't matter what happens on either end, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. It's funny how, uh, I guess, life works out. I, I have a few flaws, I'll admit, that I'm, the Lord is still working on me with. And, and, and how I come to get those flaws corrected is always interesting. Uh, I, I'm a little bit of a trash talker. Just, just a little bit. A little bit braggadocious, a little bit of a trash talker from time to time. And I had to laugh because I've been following this lectionary and, and time and time again the lectionary humbles me when I talk trash. Last Saturday, we're at the district training, and I'm talking to one of my colleagues. He's sitting at the table, and he has to preach Saturday night service at his church. And so he's asking, you know, we're asking each other, having a conversation about what you're preaching on, what you like, what, what you got going, how long have you prepared, where you're coming from, what, what kind of commentaries you're using, and everything else. And he told me what he was preaching on, and I told him what I was going to preach on. And, and I said, I don't know. I might change my mind. He's like, oh, that must be a great luxury to be able to change your mind on a Saturday about what you're going to preach on a Sunday. And I was like, well, the thing is, is I like to, I like to, I, I say, quote, unquote, burn the building down when I preach. And, and when I see commentaries and research material, if I see the word somewhere in that research material, scholars debate, I usually pick another passage because I don't, I can't do much with scholars debate. I, I, I'm, I'm out of cemetery, seminary <laughs> and I don't want to have these deep theological discussions. I want to empower the people and preach Jesus and, and get on to some fried chicken. Um, so I try to avoid that and he got a good chuckle out of me talking about I don't want to deal with texts that say scholars debate. And then the very next week as I was preparing for the message, all of the commentaries said, scholars debate. If you would, grab a hymnal 
and turn to page eight or, or, or turn to hymnal number 882. You don't have to stand. I just want you to turn to it, 882. And when you have it, I'll give you a, a moment or two. I know we all have 881 memorized by heart, can do it backwards, forwards, Greek and French. And, 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 uh, and, and if you would, say it with me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. He descended into the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Did anybody notice something different in that than what we say every Sunday? What was it? He descended into the dead. So I want to talk a little bit today about to Hades and back. To Hades and back. The, the, the passage, the, 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 the verse that is often debated, and it says scholars debate over and over again, and is around 1 Peter 3 and 19, and it says, After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. Scholars debate over just exactly what that means. What spirits? What prisons? What are they talking about? It's supposed to be when you're dead, you're dead. Who on earth could Jesus have been talking to during those times? Scholars debate. Uh, first Peter is attributed to Peter who became one of the principal leaders uh, of those following the way, not weren't called Christians just yet. They were called following the way. And he, Peter, dealt with those who were born Jewish, those who were in the Hebrew community. Peter went to Rome and continued his ministry until he died a martyr's death. Paul also went to Rome, and he was an advocate for the Gentiles, those who were not born into the Jewish way, the, the Jewish or Hebrew heritage, and those people were followers of the way. And so scholars, when they talk about 1 Peter, talk about this being a combination of both Peter and Paul's tradition being expressed to the churches at hand. Uh, they, the, the, the churches that were being wrote to was Asia Minor, countries like Lebanon and Syria and Israel and Turkey and Egypt and Yemen and Qatar excuse me, Qatar and Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates, those countries, are that's the area that this place is being written to. And this letter is providing more of a narrative uh, instead of instruction. So while there are some letters out there that are written that say do this and don't do this, uh, First Peter is here to tell us what the end looks like and will let us know what the end looks like with the final revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, and they talk about it this because it's a puzzling 
reference, put to death to the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit and also going to make these proclamations to the spirit in prison who in the former times did not obey, but God waited patiently. Uh, These things are are, are, are these lines along with the verse from chapter one. And Peter says, for this reason, the gospel is proclaimed even to the dead so that they have been judged as the flesh, as everyone is judged, might live in the spirit as God does. Uh, These are those verses are where we get the apostles creed from. Or, or not the whole thing, but that is what is attributed to the Apostles' Creed. But over time, uh, when people are allowed to make decisions about things, some things get taken out because they are, 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 are hard for other people to deal with. Uh, some things stay in because they're hard for people to deal with. I, I didn't realize till I got to that fine institution up in Dallas, Texas, that there were people that had a problem with blood. They didn't want to hear about songs about Jesus and the blood. I could not understand it. But I understand that there are people out there who have these certain aversions, but I, I get excited when I think about the blood. Uh, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So there are things that some people have a problem with, and there are some things that people don't. And so that line some people have had a problem with is descended into the dead. Theologians and biblical scholars don't agree on what it means. And they say that most lay people have no idea how this fits into the work of Christ. Uh, There are some denominations that attempt to avoid the subject altogether. They don't even put it in their hymnals. They don't even put it in there and have it recited. And then others will deal with it by having multiple versions in uh, their hymnals. Uh, But traditional ones would actually say he descended into Hades. Uh, And this phrase reminds us that, at least for me, whenever we think we have it all figured out, we surely do not. Uh, and even though we have, we think we may have all of these things figured out and we may have a, a good job and, and some letters behind our names and, and something to go on and, and, and some sort of position in the church, we still do not have it figured out. But when I look at that text and I realize that, I realize that there is absolutely nothing that can separate me from the love of God. I'm reminded of Romans 8 and 38 38 and 39 where it says that I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it doesn't matter what happens on either end. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Uh, And even though there is some debate on what exactly that means, there is one thing that is crashingly clear about it. Jesus went through some suffering to gain victory over us all. I'm going to say that again for those who didn't hear it. It doesn't matter what the debate is about those things. It should be clear that no matter what happened, Jesus was willing to go through some suffering for us to gain victory over all. 
Ah, man, and there are things that are similar in Christian hymns in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, and Colossians 1, 15 through 20, and 1 Timothy 1, uh, 1 Timothy 3, 16. There are things that are going on that we don't necessarily understand because the writer assumes that these people are Bible readers and they're tied up in the community and it's referring to some other things that are going on. So some of this is insider language. But the point remains the same. Jesus suffered. He who knew no sin took on all the sin of the world so that we could have access to heaven so that we wouldn't have to worry about death, hell, and the grave. Uh, And it says that just as the waters from the flood of Noah's time separated people from the old world, the baptism separates us Christians from our old life. Uh, Christians were minorities at the time. It wasn't really popular to be a Christian. I said at the beginning that Peter died a martyr's death. Uh, When you believed in this one called Jesus, when you followed this thing called the way, you didn't get a nice appointment with a good parsonage and a nice car and some good benefits. You didn't get all of that. You didn't get a chance to come in and sit on Sunday morning and listen to some music and sit in some comfortable chairs. It was rough during those times. But these people were willing to go to Hades and back for what they believed. Ah, And so these waters are separating us from our old life. It's not just a mere washing off of dirt. It's not just uh, getting wet. This is to understand that we are being initiated into this thing that we are following. And does not matter what's going on, everything, when it's all said and done, will be, will be subject to Jesus Christ. Uh, and so there are a couple things that this, this text implies, and one of the things is, 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 is simply, uh, the first is a statement, some people say that Jesus rose again. It means that death is not a barrier that God cannot get past. If death were the last word, then that would mean, uh, then death would mean that, uh, that death and not God reigns supreme. But that's not the case. Jesus rose again. And, and, and thus Paul, writing to the Romans, affirms this. He says, for, for the end, Christ died and lived again so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. That's Romans 14 and 9 if you're scoring at home. And, and, and so this phrase could be argued that God has supremacy over death himself or death itself. Uh, and and, and some, some things would say that the argument is that the uh, some would say it's a more Calvinistic ar- argument, but it, uh, that Jesus died this horrible death the way of the truly wicked to, to let us know that we should have comfort when we go through our own Hades-like experiences where we feel utterly alone. We can take comfort in understanding that the things that we suffer through now are only minuscule to what it compared to what Jesus was willing to suffer for us so that we could have a place in heaven. Uh, They would argue that he's present with us even in our darkest places. And although we may feel like we're all alone, we are not alone and we can put our trust in God. Uh, There was a story about a pastor that was visiting an elderly woman who was receiving hospice care at home, and she was having a tough time of it. Uh, Out of the blue, she remarked, it must have been very hard for him. Hard for whom, the pastor said, trying to make sure that this lady was in her right mind, and she said, Jesus. It must have been very hard for him to be nailed to a cross. There's this woman 
laying flat on her back, receiving hospice care, frail and in pain. And one would expect her to complain about her condition or, 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 or share some detail about how things were back in the day. Yet her concerns were trivial compared to what she was thinking about when it came to the suffering of Jesus Christ. She felt like the suffering of Jesus Christ was more important than the suffering that she was going through. She'd been lying there on her own deathbed meditating on the crucifixion of Jesus, and it wasn't even Good Friday. And she was thinking about the cross. Uh, Some people might have tried to change her mind and try to get her to talk about something much happier, try to encourage her to practice some positive thinking. But but who are we to tell her what to think on? Uh, We who, unlike her, can come and go and live free without pain. But for this sorely afflicted woman, meditating on the death of Jesus Christ was her act of sheer faith. Maybe it's because we only observe uh, only when we ourselves are uh, uh, afflicted with those words that he descended into the dead that we clothe ourselves in the full meaning and power about it. Uh, Jesus was willing to go all the way down and back. And because Jesus was willing to go all the way down and back, we ought to be able to go all the way down and back. Uh, How hard are we really working for those things that we want? We say we want a job, but how much time do we actually spend looking for a job? I've been between jobs before and, and, and really had to come to a clear understanding of what exactly that meant. I joined an organization called the Houston Career Initiative. Uh, and then I joined another organization called Between Jobs Ministry. I still get the emails for both of them, but these were places that taught you how to look for a job when you were in between jobs. And they said, just like you got up in the morning to go to work when you had a job, you got to get up in the morning and look for a job. Have you called every single person you know to see if their company is hiring? How much time a day do you spend looking for a job? Are you willing to go all the way to the end and back for that job? Or do you just click a couple of check marks on careerbuilder.com and once you've done that, you say, okay, I've searched for a job today. Ain't nobody hiring. Are you willing to go all the way to the end and back? We say we want to lose weight. Watch your toes. But that fried chicken just keep calling us. Them double cheeseburgers just keep calling us. And we paying 24-hour fitness and L.A. fitness and the YMCA a whole bunch of money, and they ain't seen hide nor hair of us. When you want something, are you willing to go all the way to the end and back? You say you want to work on your marriage, but you don't spend any kind of time in conversation, not willing to go to therapy, just holding everything in and just arguing and jumping off the slightest thing. You got to be willing to go to the end and back all the way. Otherwise, we are just talking. 
And we ought to be willing to go to the end and back for those things that we want because Jesus was willing to go all the way to the end and back so that we could have access to heaven. Ah, and so when we think about our own problems, if this woman on the brink of death can think about the suffering and shame that Jesus was going through so that we could have access to heaven, we ought to be able to put our priorities in perspective. Ah, the, the James F.K. said, by descending into Hades, God in the person of Jesus Christ places the worst that can befall human beings within the redeeming embrace of the cross. A uh, third interpretation of, of the phrase says that Jesus went to the world of the dead to bring out those faithful souls who had died before hearing the gospel and tells us that the gospel itself is not limited to the time of Jesus but also uh, not limited to the time of Jesus and forward, but also uh, is efficacious retroactively. And they say that the, they use Hebrews 11 as, as the, the, the backing for that because it says that the roll call of the faithful people from the Old Testament is clear that the Hebrews author saw them and included them in the faith community. In Hebrews 11 and 13, it talks about Abel and Enoch and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Rahab and other persons of the faith and says all these people died in faith having received promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. It's going to take some faith to be willing to go all the way to the end and back. But that should be the least we should be able to do because it's the least that we should be able to do because somebody was there to give up more than we sacrificed. Somebody who was there in the beginning where it says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. And sliding on down about 13 more verses it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So that's the least that we can do. It's the least that we can do because somebody was willing to step out of eternity and put on human clothes and, and lead a life that we couldn't live and die a death that we could not die and become the perfect sacrifice to become a ransom for all of our lives. That was the least, the least we can do because they was willing to do more. It's the least that we can do because somebody was willing to go through 42 generations and come in a manger and be born in a manger because there was no room for in and live this life and set out on a ministry and listen to have to eat with the person that betrayed them. That's the least that we can do. That's the least that we can do because somebody was willing to get beat with a cat of nine tails over and over again and get a crown of thorns put on his head and, and mocked and, and blindfolded and punched. And they say, prophesy, Jesus, which one of us hit you. That's the least we can do is be willing to go that way because somebody was willing to go more. That's the least we could do because somebody was willing to take a cross all the way to Calvary, all the way to Golgotha, all the way to a place called the Skull. That's the least we can do because they were able to do more. That's the least that we can do because they were willing, while these people were mocking him, to say, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That's the least that we should be able to do because they were able to do more, and then they died. Dying until the veil was torn. Dying until the earth reeled and rocked like a natural man. Dying until the centurion said, surely, surely this must be the son of God. That we can be able to do more because that's the least we should be able to do. And then that person would have to die. And not no, phys not no metaphysical thing, not no, no actually die. 
and then rise up on the third day with all power in his hand because he was willing to go all the way to the end and back. And because he was willing to go all the way to the end and back, that's the least we can do is be able to go to the end and back. But I'm so glad that's not where the story ends. He's coming back again. Will you be ready? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come. Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you found this message. If this message blessed you, be a blessing to someone else and share it. Connect with Pastor Johnny on Instagram and Twitter, and be sure to like Faith UMC Dickinson on Facebook. 